Hey, this is Kyle Papineau. I'm the pastor of Legacy Church in Orange County, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message encourages you and it helps you experience what God is doing in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Hey, give your neighbor a fist bump as you take your seat. I want to say what's up to those of you who are online, our online family this morning. You mean so much to us. We are so grateful that you're here with us, and, and I know that uh, uh, these guys don't see you, but I know that we have an online host. Her name is Brooke. Can everybody give it up for Brooke? Uh, so in the same way that we try to make sure that everybody gets a hug or a high five or a cup of coffee here in person, we have a dedicated person online to make sure that uh, uh, they feel welcomed as well. So this morning, you have uh, Brooke with you online, but I just want to say thank you for watching, thank you for participating, thank you for sharing this experience. I know that God has something to say to you. Now, hey, real quick, uh, if you don't have a Bible, I want you to feel free to raise your hand. We have a free Bible. I should have done this before I read my, my scripture, but uh, we believe in biblical literacy. <laughs> that, that, means, uh, that means you know the scripture, the scripture knows you, uh, and we want to make sure that we're investing in that. And so, uh, man, that Bible is our gift to you. Uh, enjoy that. Hey, uh, this week we got to go out... Um, with the, the leadership team, and I'm actually going to, can I get comfortable with you guys today? Cool. Not so comfortable that I just disappear for the whole day. <laughs> I'm not going to preach from like behind the go full Wizard of Oz on you. Some of you will get that later. Um, it's even a green curtain. Anyway, uh, this week we got to take some of the, the leaders, well, all of, our, all of our department heads, we got to go on a retreat together. And it was really fun to be able to get away and spend some time getting to know each other. And, and there's no better way to get to know somebody than to play a competitive game with them. Um, and so I learned some things about some of our leaders this week uh, that I think is going to help uh, propel our church. But I also learned some things about our leaders this week that kind of scare me. Like, we have some pretty ruthless game players uh, as leaders, and I appreciate that. But what was even cooler than that was the time that we get to spend together getting to know each other, um, enjoying each other's company, and then studying together. And I really felt like uh, this was one of the, the lessons that I brought um, to our leaders, and I felt like this is something that we needed to hear um, as a church. Because I'll tell you why. We're in week three, starting today, of our three-week fast. Come on, somebody. We're almost done. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool. We had uh, pre-service prayer this morning, and I started asking people, like, hey, is fasting as a discipline helping you in your walk with the Lord? And many people said yes. Some of you just hate me for asking you to give up a, a meal a day. And, and that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of handling that criticism. But I hope that what we're learning is that there is a blessing that comes with faithfulness. There is a blessing that comes with obedience, and when we give up food, we are, we are posturing ourselves to hear from God more. We're posturing ourselves to, to experience what he wants to do. Because did you know this? Like, we read this that it says, I will be with you. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it, and I'll be with you. Did you know that God wants to bless his children? Okay, all right. Guys, wake up. It's time, it's time to wake up. Church is fun. And, and I'm going to make sure that I do my part to make it fun, but you got to do your part, so talk back to me, okay? All right, cool. Um, God wants to bless his children. 
That means that he has good things. Scripture says he has good things in store for those who are called according to his purpose. Well, hello, all of you who are called according to his purpose. That's awesome. So what would you do differently if you knew that God was with you? Well, I want to tell you a story today about someone who did the wrong thing. Because sometimes it's good to have models that we model our life after. Uh, I think there, there's a lot of good in, in learning from people who are doing things right. But I think just as much, there's a lot of value that we can get by learning from someone who did things the wrong way. Okay? Uh, I, think, I think it's important to pay attention to both lessons. And what this is about is Saul, anybody know Saul? Okay, Saul was not a great guy, but he was actually failing in his life. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't read all of this today, and, and I'd love to go into it maybe a little later at a different time, but Saul was put by his family in the fields to wash the donkeys. Now, context for you. Shepherds, back in the day, when we're talking about the scripture, were not well-respected people. Okay, Shepherds were like, well, if, if here's the king, and then you have his, like, court, and then you have your, like, tax people, and then you have other leaders, and then you would have, like, maybe, maybe the leader of, like, a clan, and then you'd have your family, and then you'd have your, your kids, and then you'd have your servants. This is kind of down here where the shepherds were, okay? So Saul couldn't even keep the donkeys together. He wasn't good enough to watch the sheep. He had to watch the donkeys. See, sheep, they need to be led. They need to be walked from one place to another. They need to be watered. They, they got to be fed, all this stuff. That's great. Donkeys, donkeys are much less exciting. Anybody ever, anybody ever hung out with a donkey? My grandfather had one for a little while, and, and it was like the dumbest animal I've ever seen. Like, it just stood there, and it looked dumb, and it just didn't do anything, uh, and then we got to give it shots, and then we saw it come to life. <laughs> and I actually kind of liked Mary, Mary the donkey. Uh, she was kind of cool. I don't know. I resonated with her. Just You just get to chill all the time. That, that's kind of fun. Um, Saul, Saul wasn't able to keep the donkeys together. And so he's, he's here in this place where he's failing in life. He's so low on the totem pole that he can't even touch the sheep. He's got to deal with the donkeys. And Samuel, the prophet, comes to him and says, you are going to be the next king. Well, really, the first king. Because, see, the, the children of Israel had been crying out and crying out. And really, when the Bible says they cried out, God is too nice to say they were whining. Okay? But all they were doing was saying, we want a king. We want a king. We want a king. And God kept going like, I don't want to give you a king. I want to be your king. I want to do other things for you. We want a king. We want a king. Fine. I will give you a king. And so Samuel goes and anoints Saul as king. But they had only seen, like, Israel had only seen what kingship looked like from the outside. They had never truly experienced it. And so here comes Saul, and he's given, he's given instructions. You're supposed to go down to Gibeah, where there's going to be a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets, and they will prophesy. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will be changed into a different person. I, it doesn't say what Saul's reaction was immediately, but I've got to just think in my own mind, like, there had to be some relief in that, like, oh! <gasps> I, I'm, I'm no longer the donkey guy. I'm the king. How cool is that? 
But then it said, you've got to wait seven days. So in the span of a week, he went from chilling with donkeys to being the king of an entire nation. He went from hanging out in stalls, picking up you-know-what, to hanging out in the palace with charge over everything. This is someone, by the way, who couldn't keep it together to keep the sheep together. He's now in charge. Where have I heard that before? That's right. Every time that something happens quickly, we think it's attractive. In fact, I just have to believe that when, when Saul went from the stable to the throne in a week, if he was alive today, he would have probably been invited onto Ellen and to Oprah. He would have been approached by multiple different publishers saying, hey, you've got to write a, you got to write a couple of books telling us how can we become a king in a week? How did you go from zero to hero so fast? And, and we as a culture would soak it up. I mean, it would be a bestseller immediately and then we'd be able to read and structure our lives after Saul. We'd think, man, we are making it. But the, <laughs> but the reality is, if you'll keep reading a couple of verses down, you'll recognize that God re- regretted giving Saul the throne. He was not capable. The infrastructure that he had in his life, he was not capable of handling the responsibility or the anointing of the throne. May God never regret giving you anything. May it never be said of us that God regrets giving us something. I I don't want it in my life. I don't want to hear about it in your life because if God regrets giving you something, it means he will take it away. So don't think that just because something is given to you, it automatically means that you're doing what's right, okay? Sometimes God will use you for his will in spite of you. I'd rather he work through me than in spite of me, personally. I don't want it to be said of me that that God regretted giving me anything. But what's really interesting is um, Saul judged everything by how fast things happened. So from then on, he thought, God is only in this if it happens quickly. Isn't that crazy? Now, I have heard all of my life that God will come through in the 11th hour. Really what that means is God's on his own time. He's kind of like Hispanics. They're just on their own time. And you know what? I think there's a lot to be learned from that. The relaxation that what's going to happen is going to happen. I like that. I, I like that I can trust God to come through every time. Even if it's in spite of me, I can trust him to come through. It's my responsibility, I'll say it's our responsibility then, to make sure that our lives are in alignment with him so that when he does do something, it's through us. It's with us. It's not in spite of us. I I don't want to be someone who at the end of my life, people say, he was a good guy and God worked in spite of him. (laughs) I, I want people to say, he was a good guy and God worked through him. That's what I want. I had a, uh, 
a friend, a loose friend, uh, pass away last night. Um, he was a pastor down on Imperial Beach. He started his church, I believe, in 2017 or 2018. Um, and because of some complications, he, he was sent to the hospital, and he never made it home, and he passed away last night. And his wife wrote the most beautiful thing. She had been doing, like, uh, live updates on Facebook and just kind of keeping everybody apprised of the situation. And she said it was an honor to hold his hand as he transitioned to the father. He was in the presence of his five kids, his parents, and his in-laws. I hope that when my time comes... Brittany can say he transitioned well. He did what God called him to do, the same way that Rebecca was able to say that about Sean. And so, Rebecca, if you're watching this morning, I want to tell you that we're praying with you. We're praying for Real Life Church. We're believing good things for you, and we're going to ask that God will bless you. And then if there is anything that our church can do to help you, we are committed to that. We're believing for good things because that's what we do. Because we have been changed into a different person. But God, God never wanted to give a king in a week. God doesn't want to do everything fast. So that's, uh, that's my, my word of encouragement for you today. As you, uh, as you continue your fast, God doesn't want to do anything fast. <laughs> You've been giving up food for 14 days. Maybe today's the 15th day. Congratulations. God doesn't want to do anything fast. I want to encourage you. He doesn't want to do anything fast, but he does want to be thorough. And thorough takes time. It's just the way it is. Have you guys ever heard the contractor's joke like that, that you can have it done quick or you can have it done right? I want it done right. I, I, I want my salvation to be right. I want my walk with God to be right. I want the things that I'm fasting and praying over to be done right. I want to see God come through in some powerful ways in our church, guys. I am so excited about where we are going. I'm excited about what's coming this year. It was fun to be able to, to talk and share some more vision with the leaders uh, this week. And, and one of the things that we're believing for is uh, we, we want to see this church get to 100 people this year. How is it going to happen? It's going to take every one of us inviting a friend. But not just that. It's going to be slow because people don't just come and immediately give their life to Christ and then start serving in the same week. It's a slow process. It takes one week of coming, saying hi, getting to know a few people. It takes a second time coming back. Hey, I remember you from last week. What are you into? What do you like to do? What are your hobbies? It takes a third week of coming back. Hey, you guys want to get lunch today after church? Like, Come hang out with us. And it takes a fourth week, hey, I think this might be a place that I could call home, and, and maybe I should go through essentials. And by the way, we had Geraldy finish essentials this morning. Way to go, girl. So you're going through this, and you're learning not just about what legacy is about, but you're also learning about, man, how did God make me? And then all of a sudden, you get onto a team. Do you see how that took longer than a week? God doesn't want to do everything in a week. Because the people who have come and who have said, hey, I want to jump in. I'm here. I'm, I'm all about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me in, coach. I'm here. In the same week, they're like, ah, I was actually riding my emotions and I had too much coffee that day. <laughs> but the ones that stick are the ones who come and say, hey, I, 
I want to just go a little bit deeper. I want to take another step. I want to go to the next level, one step at a time. But I think not just because God doesn't want to do everything fast, but because of how fast everything happened, Saul never reached his potential. I don't know if you know this, but Saul was not known for being a great king. He was kind of known for being a coward and a pushover and and a weak person. And that's what happens when things happen too quickly. That's what happens when we want something so bad and we're given everything all at one time and we can't sustain the weight of what we're called to do. In fact, check this out. 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, verse 21 says this. Then he brought each of the family uh, of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord and the family of the Matrites were chosen. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. Here we go. This is, this is him being anointed and appointed. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. What? You are about to be named the king of Israel and you just disappeared? <laughs> what? Where'd he go? Well, they asked the Lord, <laughs> where is he? He was so well hidden that they couldn't find him in the house. They had to ask the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, speaking of, did you know that if you'll talk to the Lord, he'll talk back? Just a part, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you know that, Susan. If you'll talk to the Lord, he'll talk back. We believe that. We believe that not only does he talk back, but he'll also guide and direct and drop words of knowledge and wisdom into your heart so that you, you, don't, just, you don't just know good from evil, but you know good from best. That's called Wisdom. And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. What? It literally told him. I haven't heard so many sheeshes in church in a long time. Saul was hiding in his own baggage. That's what scripture says. He was so caught up that I'm just the donkey boy. That he was hiding. I'm so depressed. I'm hiding. I'm so caught up in my anxiety. He was hiding. I'm so caught up in pornography. He was hiding. I'm so caught up in myself. I don't want to be king. I don't want the responsibility. I don't want the pressure. I don't want the stuff that goes along with it. I like the title, but it's too much for me. He was hiding in his own baggage. Now, there is a bright side to this story, and if you'll keep reading the next couple of chapters, you'll realize that not, not much longer after Saul became king, he starts struggling with some crippling anxiety. Uh, in fact, the, the Bible calls it demons. He was so neurotic about what was going on in his life, he was crippled by demons. But then you have this other guy who kind of enters the scene rather quietly. His name is David. And he was, he was appointed king while Saul was still king. Nobody thinks that's weird. There's a king. Samuel, the guy who made the last guy the king, comes to King David. Well, baby David, little boy David, little teenage boy David. And says, you're going to be the next king. 
And David said, cool, I know what that means. I'll go pack my bags. <laughs> Seven days from now, start the clock. But it's interesting that if you were to look, if you were to look um, right, right here, uh, right here at the top of the page, Saul is told that he's going to be king. Okay? Right here it says Saul becomes king. That's how long it took. But then David was appointed and, oh, this, this chapter says uh, Saul becomes jealous of David because did you know that Saul called for somebody in his courts to come and play the, uh, the harp for him because his demons were too much? Side note, king and a weak guy couldn't handle his own demons. What God wants to do, he wants to do it slow. He wants to do it thorough. He wants to make sure that he's, he's slow baking. He's not microwaving. Okay, this is a crock pot blessing. This is not an Insta thing, okay? He, he's wanting to do something slow and thorough. And, and then David comes and plays. And one of, his, one of the people in Saul's court says, I know this guy. He's the son of Jesse. He plays an amazing harp, like a really mean harp, like a really, really good Les Paul harp, you know? And then he comes and plays, and immediately the demons leave. So whenever David shows up, Saul knows this. Demons leave when David's here. But then you keep looking, and, and let me see if I can uh, find this for you. So Samuel, then he goes and plays for Saul, and Saul, this one says... Saul tries to spear David, so he's still not king there. Uh, he's not looking very... Oh, David's hiding in the temple. He's not looking like a king there. The book's over. Let's go to the next book. Mm, he's still hiding. He's still running. Saul's dead. Oh, here we go. Almost 20 chapters later, David is anointed king. So David's, David gets anointed as king, and then for 22 years, he is hidden. So you have king in a week, Saul, and then you have 22 long years that David knew, I'm, I'm going to be king. Do you see the difference? For the record, David was the one who earned the title, a man after God's heart. It is one thing for you to have God's heart, okay? We call it salvation. It happens in a moment. All you have to do is reach out and say, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. Will you please forgive me and welcome me into your kingdom? And he'll do it. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That happens in a minute. It is a totally different thing for God to have your heart. That doesn't happen in a moment. That happens over a lifetime. It's one choice. I'm not going to cheat today. It's one choice. I'm going to be faithful to what I'm doing. It's one day at a time, one step at a time, saying I'm choosing to be faithful to what God wants for me. I have this question for you. Can God trust you? Can he trust you? 
Can he trust you not to be anxious about the time between your anointing and your appointing? Anointing and appointing. Can you be trusted with everything that God wants to do in your life? I really want you to think about this because if we go through life thinking that God wants to do everything fast, then we will be severely disappointed. But if we go through life expecting that God is going to come through on his time, we get to be delighted all the time. Because get this, you might expect God to do one thing. I expected God to heal my friend Sean. I was praying this week. I was fasting for him. I was praying with, with their, their church. They were doing live streams, and I got on and watched a couple of them. And I was expecting God to heal him. But you know what? I, I responded to, uh, to Rebecca last night, and I said, I, I got to be honest with you. As sad as I am for us, I'm a little jealous for him. Like, I would gladly choose heaven <laughs> over this right now. Gladly. So therefore, I don't have to be disappointed in, I prayed for you to heal him. God said, I will heal him, and I'm bringing him home. I get to be delighted instead. So can God trust you? I've got another question for you. Can you trust his timing? Or are you so neurotic that you have to have everything on your timetable, and if it's not done by the split second, you're completely unhinged because you can't handle anything not going according to your plan? Because I really think this, guys, if we can let go of what our plan looks like, we will like his better. I've never been disappointed by God's plan. I've been surprised. <laughs> I have been surprised, but I've never been disappointed. It's funny, the, uh, the key of David is referenced in the book of Revelation. Not the key of Saul. The way of Saul was quick, was, I don't know if you, if you guys know the story, if not, go back and read it. I, I challenge you to get into the Bible and read this story on a deeper level. But from day one, Samuel was propping Saul up every single time he had to show his face. Okay? Because every time Saul needed to act kingly, he went and hid in his baggage. Because he was never the kind of person that could let God take care of the baggage in his own heart. He kept it to himself. He hid it. He hid among his baggage. And then Samuel had to come and get him out and drag him like a toddler to the pulpit and say, Hey, you've got to talk to your people. You've got to lead the charge. You've got to be the one getting on the horse and leading the army. Like You've got to do this. And even when he does tell him that, and, and Saul does choose to go to battle, we read one of the biggest Bible stories of all time, and you see Saul standing on the sidelines letting a giant taunt him. Saul never understood the anointing, and he never accepted it, so he never walked in it. Because all Saul had to do was know, I was anointed for this, and God could do this. And he had the option, it says, of, of going down and seeing the Philistine camp, and people were going in front of him prophesying, and he would join them in prophesying, and the Spirit of the Lord would come mightily on him and change him into a different person. But I never saw the result of him becoming another person. 
All we see from Saul is him standing on the sideline, waiting for something to happen. But then we even tell the story of David and Goliath wrong. We think that David just showed up one day on the battlefield and said, hey, guess what? I'm going to kill this guy for you. You're welcome. That's not what happened at all. David had been in the, in the temple, uh, I'm sorry, in the, in the palace with the king for approximately two years at this point. He had been playing at Saul's feet at night, sitting on the side of the bed, playing so that Saul could fall asleep, playing his harp. I'm assuming this is what playing the harp looked like back then, so just roll with me, okay? He's playing the harp, and Saul can all of a sudden fall asleep because he didn't have any peace in his life, which, by the way, if the fruit of the Spirit is peace, I know that God was not in him. So he's sitting here on the edge of his bed playing the harp, and now Saul can finally rest because his demons have left him for the evening. He can finally get some sleep. What were the conversations that Saul and David had together? I just, I wish I could have heard those. I wish I could have heard Saul tell David how he agonized over this one issue that the people brought him. I wish I could have heard the, the questions that David had. Hey, Saul, I know you've got this coming up. I'm really curious. What are you going to be doing with that? Like, hey, we've got, it's taxes season again. Um, are you hiking them up? How are you deciding that? Like, hey, Saul, I know that um, we've got to go to battle. How many men are you sending out? And how are you determining how many men you're going to send out? Because remember, David, at some level, knew he was called to something more. You don't just go from being a shepherd to in the king's palace overnight. So he knew that something was coming. But what, Dave, or what Saul knew about David is when David shows up, demons flee. When David shows up, peace returns. When David shows up, things start to change for the better. When David shows up, I can hear from the Lord. So that is the context. Now, we're out on the battlefield David comes home to his dad, Jesse. Jesse never asks him, hey, son, how was the last two years in the palace? He says, hey, go take your brother's lunch. Make sure they're fed. Then he takes his brother's lunch, and his brothers aren't exactly excited to see him. They don't say, brother, my guy, how are you? Man, it's been two years. What was it like sitting in the palace? They said, what are you doing here? He's like, I brought you Chick-fil-A. And they're like, we'll take the food, get out of here. And he goes, no, 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 who is that, that guy who's defiling my God? You already see the posture of David's heart. He's, he's already saying, that this is, he's coming against our God. This is my God. I'm going to choose to stand up for him. You can feel the anointing already on him. Well, guess what? Then he goes to Saul, and Saul isn't necessarily taking pity. If you read the story on its own, you might think Saul doesn't like David. He's, he's pitying him. But the reality is, this is the dude that plays me to sleep every night. I need you to come back with me. <laughs> Do you want to take my armor? <laughs> you gotta go. You gotta go fight this guy. You want some bigger armor? You want? You want? What? What do, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? What? What can I get for you? And David says, "No, no, no. I don't need all that." And he picks up five stones and goes and does what he needed to do, and saves the nation. That doesn't happen in a week. In fact, he goes to Saul and he said, hey, I know that we've had these conversations uh, in, in your private quarters, but I've never told you this. Um, I'm kind of a gangster, and I killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands. <laughs> and I think I can do the same to this guy. 
Will you let me add him? Well, David has been faithful the entire time. David never left his post. David never had to be found amongst his baggage. In fact, I'll say it this way. David traveled light. I want to encourage you to travel light. Because if you're king in a week, you're going to panic and you're going to bring everything that you think you're going to need with you. You're going to pack too much and then you're going to be bogged down by all of this baggage. But if you know, I've got 22 years to get there, you're like, dude, just give me a sweatshirt. Let's roll. I want us to be, I want us to be so ingrained with what the Holy Spirit is doing that we don't care what he does in the next seven days. We care what he does in the next seven years. Like, God, let us stop thinking in days and, and hours and minutes. Let us think in centuries. What is this going to look like after we're gone? Who are we impacting now? Who are we leaving a legacy for? Can God trust you? with these things. The way of Saul was anxiety-ridden. It was frustrating for everybody. I mean, it wasn't like just Saul was frustrated. The people were frustrated with him. They couldn't get him to do anything. But the way of David is mentioned many times throughout the rest of Scripture. The way of David was patient and trusting. And he trusted the closed doors just as much as he trusted the open ones. This is something that I was talking with the leaders about. The more I walk with the Lord, the more I trust the closed doors. Because believe me, I have tried my hardest to make things happen in my life. My sister Chelsea told me one time, she's like, Kyle, you basically just will things to happen. You are a bulldog, and when you want something, you just go and get it. I have tried to make things happen in my life. But if you're going up a door that God closed, that's not a good thing. And so I just assumed that God's blessing was always the open doors in my life. We sing songs about the open door. But I've never heard, oh, the closed doors. How cool are they? All we hear is the open door. But there have been times that I have pushed and I have shoved and I have got a running start and tried to drop kick a door and God in his love and his mercy has had his foot tucked into the corner and his shoulder up against the door holding it closed saying, if you'll just trust my timing, I've got something so much better for you. And so I don't know who this is for, but he has something better for you. He has things for you to step into. Ephesians 2.10 says he has things that he created for you to do before you were born that you get to step into if you'll just trust his timing. You don't have to be the king in a weak guy or girl. You can be who he created you to be when he needs you to be that. And he will grow you and he will mature you and he will walk with you every single step of the way. And if you'll trust his timing, you will sit in seats and stand in rooms that no man could place you in. You'll have an influence that no person could ever give you. You'll have an anointing. What is the anointing? Well, it is, it is God's blessing going before you and taking care of things. And yes, it could be he's shutting the doors for you. It could be that he's opening doors for you, but if you'll trust his timing and you'll, you'll walk in his anointing, things will shift in your life. We have a responsibility, folks, to pay attention 
And so this week, I want to encourage you as we, as we kind of bring today to a close. I, I, I want, as we fast and we pray, I want us to recognize that we're not fasting and praying for something to happen in the next seven days. We are praying and fasting for something to happen in the next seven months, the next seven years, the next 70 years. What would it look like if we all just devoted ourselves to saying, God, we're going to take ourselves out of the equation and we're going to let you do what you want to do? Because can I be honest with you? We turned two as a church this month. And I genuinely thought in my head before we ever started the church, by the time we're two years old as a church, we'll probably have six or seven hundred people. Can I tell you something? I never thought I would have such deep and close relationships with people as I have with some of you. And I'll take those deep relationships over hundreds of people any day of the week. I love being able to call you and say, hey, I'm going through this, or talking with our small group and and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Can you guys pray with me? I love being able to get together with you and have a great time and get good food and and learn more about you. And we will grow if we will keep that going. We'll keep investing in each other. We'll keep investing in our culture here. I'll take that any day over 700 people that I don't know. But what I realized is if we will commit ourselves to God and leave it in his timing... It says you will be changed into a different person. So it says you'll prophesy first. You'll be touched by the Holy Spirit and you'll prophesy. And then he'll change you. So you have the Holy Spirit. You're walking in his anointing. You're given his gifts, specifically this one, the gift of prophecy. And then on top of that, you'll be changed. So when you surrender your view of how you think things should look, you'll be changed. When you surrender your view of how you thought your job would look, it's a lot easier to go to work. When you surrender your view of who you thought you were going to marry, it gets a lot easier because now you're not praying. Pastor Phil is so funny. He's like, anybody looking for a spouse, you can come to this one. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's a lot of people. <laughs> if you'll surrender your view of what you think should be, you will be delighted by what will be. That's how it works. And trust me, I know, I know that there's disappointments. I know that they're there. I've been disappointed myself. But what if God is taking that disappointment and saying, I know you're bummed about this, but I have something better for you that if you'll just let me do my thing, I'll make it happen. And it'll be better than what you ever thought. Because don't forget, God's plan never involves bad things for his kids. They will involve hard things. Don't mistake bad for hard. (laughs) Just because something's hard doesn't mean it's it's bad. Lifting weight is hard. Running is hard. That's why I don't do it. Kidding. No, I'm really not doing it. I'm not kidding. I hate running. It's hard, but it's good for you. Fasting is hard, but it's good for you. And so I want to encourage you as we close our our 21-day fast on Saturday, I want to encourage you to start praying now about what God is going to do, not just through January. But pay attention to what he's saying he wants to do through February and March and April of 2025.
let's take some, some chains off of what we think should be and let's let God touch things because I really do believe this, the worst thing that God can do for you is give it to you fast. Whatever that thing is. The worst thing that he can do is give it to you so all of a sudden you think you deserve it. The only thing that happens immediately in the kingdom of God should be obedience. Everything else he has planned out, the only thing that is quick or should be quick in the kingdom is our obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That means if we have an opportunity to serve someone, we're quick to that. But know that that moment has been building up since before you were born. This is not by chance. So I don't believe in luck. I believe in divine appointment. I believe in divine gifting. I believe that when someone comes to us and says, hey, I have this need, well, we have resources, that's not because in the moment I feel like, hey, let's do something for them. No, 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 it's because we have planned and strategized how are we going to bless people as a church. It means when we have an opportunity, we take it. We take it because we've been planning. We've been preparing. We've been working in the soil of, of time. And now we're ready to let it, let it go. God, whenever you want this thing to grow, let it grow. I take my hands off. You put your hands on. Carrie Underwood said it the best. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm like, you know what, Jesus, what if you just took the whole like, driver's seat? Because if you're going to take the wheel, I don't want to operate the gas and the brake. I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to do this. I, I don't need to be king of the week. I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't, want, I don't want you to be that. I want us to be the crockpot church where people are slowly but steadily growing and maturing in their faith. We're, see, we're seeing people this semester in small groups start hosting small groups because they feel like, man, I've got to get more involved. I love that. We've got people who are, are wanting to start small groups because they're feeling the pull of God on their heart, and we're strategizing behind the scenes, how do we make this happen? We have people here who are saying, I want to go deeper in my walk with the Lord. How do I do that? How do I go to the next level? Well, they go through essentials. Okay, I'm going to go through essentials, and, and they do it. And they get plugged into a small group, and then they're a part of us, and then we get to together grow. We get to be together. Worship team, you can come on out. You don't have to hide back there. I think it's important that we recognize that God wants to do something and he wants to do it slow. My question to you is, are you okay with slow? Are you okay with what God wants to do and how he wants to do it? Because if you're always chasing the king in a week mentality or the king in a week blessing, it's short-lived. And then while you are still king, he will appoint someone else to take your place. That's what happened with David. But then centuries after David passed away, not only was Jesus born into his bloodline, but then you see in the book of Revelation that the key of David is referenced. That his legacy is, is far beyond just when Jesus was born and Jesus came through him. No, no, no. This is going into eternity that the key of David will forever be remembered. 
that David will always be remembered as a man who is chasing after God's heart. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for our church. That's why this year we're focusing on maturing as a church. I, I want to be able to take, I want to take every opportunity that God has for us. And guys, we've been given some crazy opportunities. And I'm believing that this year is going to be even more wild. I was excited to get a text uh, from the campus pastor at Vanguard this week. He said, hey, uh, I need you to come and preach for us because we got someone with COVID. And I was like, bet, I'll be there. So Wednesday morning, I'm in chapel at, at Vanguard. I, I need you guys to pray. I need you to pray. Because here's why. When we have an opportunity like that, it takes all of us working together. Okay? I'm not saying that to promote myself. I'm saying that we have an opportunity to change people's lives with the gospel. We together have an opportunity to invite them because Pastor Mike said, hey, if you want, like, pitch legacy all you want. Invite them to legacy. Do whatever you want. He said, just make sure that you share the gospel with them. And he said, I know that that's what you do every week with, with your church. So we have an opportunity to love on students this week. We're going to do it. We have an opportunity to finish out strong as a church in this fast. I want to do it. So Thursday this week, I'm fasting all day long. And you better believe I'm going to be praying for every single one of you. I'm praying God's blessing. I'm praying his favor. But more than that, I'm praying his timing over you. That the blessings that he has would be yours in his perfect time. Because if you're just going after the king in a week, you're going to be worn out in probably two weeks. But if you'll wait and you'll let God do what he wants to do in your heart and through you, it will be incredible. I'd love it if you'd bow your heads with me for just a second. There are... Amen. Amen. Hey, I know we went a little longer than normal today but I want to say thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for being here for our weekend worship experience. I hope that you have an incredible day, an incredible rest of your weekend. Get some good rest because tomorrow it all starts again. <laughs> but I look forward, I'm already looking forward to next Sunday. Hey, by the way, bring a friend. Next Sunday we've got a guest speaker and I can't wait to introduce him to you. It's going to be an incredible day in the Lord's house. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week at the same time, the same place. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Leave a comment and rate this podcast, but make sure to give us five stars. In the description, you can find the website, the socials, and all that good stuff. Special thanks to those who give generously. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to partner with us, you can click the link in the description below. Join us live on Sundays, either in person or on YouTube or Facebook, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening.